This story is based on a dream I had in the spring of 2020. At the time, I knew very little about the legend of the Wendigo. I only knew that it was a person with deer antlers, and I also knew that it scared the shit out of me. When I had the dream, I had just begun to dabble in the occult and was learning about the concept of negative entities and higher selves. After relaying what later became the first chapter of the story to my mother, she warned that I might be experiencing a negative entity trying to attach itself to me. And this scared the shit out of me as well. Either shortly before or after I had the dream, I had begun to listen to a paranormal true crime podcast called And That's Why We Drink. In episode 135, M, one of the two podcast hosts, covers the Bridgewater Triangle, something that I won't get into and don't recommend researching if you are of the faint of heart. According to one of the many, many legends from the area, people have been approached by a young boy who beckons you to come play with him. His limbs are, quote, at unusual angles, sometimes appearing to be broken, but he doesn't appear to be in pain. Later in the episode, M goes on to explain that usually, when someone encounters a demon trying to impersonate a human being, the details in its appearance will be slightly, quote, off. I had to actually set down the playing cards in my hand and rewind the episode twice before I could register what they had just said. I grew up in a strict Christian household with pastor, revivalist, missionary grandparents, had sat and listened intently to all their stories about possession and exorcism and miracles thereafter, owned all of the Ghost Hunter seasons on DVD, had spent most of my adult life as an avid horror fan, and had somehow never heard of this phenomenon before. I spent the rest of the night growing increasingly inebriated and terrified I awoke my significant other several times throughout the night to either accompany me to the bathroom or check on noises that mostly turned out to be birds. In a word, I was shook. The next day, I messaged my grandmother on Facebook and asked if she has ever witnessed a demon impersonating a human, and she said yes. I specified that I mean a living person, not a human spirit, and she said yes. At this point, it had been almost two months since I had the dream. I knew that if I told her about it, she would have a very religious response for me. I didn't care. No matter my reservations about organized religion, I believe in my heart that my grandmother is a powerful empath and can provide me with an answer as to whether what I experience is good or evil. Funny, I don't even believe in such things. She ended up coming back and saying that she didn't think it was anything but a bad dream, my subconscious telling me that I'm at a crossroads and I have a large decision or a negative feeling hanging over me, but I wasn't convinced. All this time later, I'm still not fully convinced. Opening yourself up to the possibility of something greater will make you weak in the knees. It may just make you take scary stories a bit more seriously. It did so, and continues to do so, to me. I think that every person should receive a healthy dose of childlike fear in their life. Otherwise, there is no basis upon which to compare everything else. Horror 
has been a loyal low in my life in comparison to which everything else feels like a relative high. On my worst days, I listen to scary stories, watch scary movies, read scary books, so that I remember that as bad as things may be, at least there is not a demon chasing after me. If you ever reach a point where you no longer get scared, I'm sorry. And I hope that you find something worth being afraid of. I hope this story scares you, and I hope the sun shines slightly brighter after you've finished it. stood in line at her local cafe. The golden light of the seven o'clock sun shone through the window reflecting off of her hair so that her face was seemingly encircled by a fiery red halo. Her freckles stood out in a perfect spread from one cheek to the other. She was beautiful in a rare and quaint way, and most people around her dared only look in sheepish glances, lest they be caught looking at all. It was difficult to determine her age due to her youthful features. Hannah quietly appreciated the local coffeehouse art as she waited. She'd recently taken to painting, and now she wondered if she was good enough to be featured in a coffeehouse herself. Perhaps if she gave more attention to her new hobby, she could. Next! Sorry, how are you? Can I just get a medium latte? 375. Hannah observed various posters on the community board to the left of the counter. There were several advertising a science exposition at the local college she attended. She had opted not to participate this year as she wasn't altogether decided on her major in biochemistry. She'd chosen the subject under pressure from her parents to have a lucrative career, but lately she'd been having second thoughts. A poster advertising a local band hung near the top of the board. They were in need of a drummer and several tabs with the phone number frayed out from the bottom. Hannah took one, thinking of her boyfriend Jack, and stuffed it into the right pocket of her denim jacket. Hannah? Thank you. 
Hannah stopped at a basket of freebies next to the front door of the store. A large orange and white box of tea sat right on top. She thought about how she'd recently considered quitting caffeine and getting into tea. If the box was up for grabs, what was the harm in taking it? She leaned down and awkwardly grabbed the box. Hannah put on her headphones and removed the splash guard from her coffee, then took a sip. She observed the busy afternoon traffic on Main Street. She cautiously removed the lid of her coffee to see a fat, furry fly turning over in her drink, struggling for life. Hannah watched as the fly struggled out of the coffee cup, pulling itself by its front legs. It continued like this until it reached the grass adjacent to the sidewalk, then it disappeared. How do you do? I'm fine, thanks. Hannah looked out the window of the bus directly across from her and turned her music up louder. She clutched the box of tea close to her, leaned her head back, and closed her eyes. Gradually, other passengers boarded the bus. An older woman with medium-length blonde hair sat directly across from her. A young man of about 6'2 sat a few seats down where the baggage shelf ended. A mother and her child sat toward the back. No one said a word. They rode in reserved silence. Slowly, Hannah opened her eyes. She sat up, panicked that she might have missed her stop. She frantically looked behind her and then out the window behind the old woman. Relaxing, she leaned back in her seat. There were a few more stops until home. She met the gaze of the old woman and smiled faintly, shifting uncomfortably and clutching the box to her. The woman continued to stare. Hannah glanced over her shoulder at the young man a few seats down, who was looking at the old woman. Slowly, he turned his attention to her. He continued to stare. At the back of the bus, the mother turned her attention from the outside of the bus to the other two passengers, and then to Hannah. Hannah began to feel self-conscious, wondering why they were looking at her. She twisted her upper body to look down at her shoes, thinking they might be stained with coffee, but they were not. She sat up straight and looked down at the box of tea, she looked around at the other passengers, then back at the box. Maybe she wasn't supposed to take it, she thought. Was that box communal? Was it a donations bin? Was she taking from someone else by having it? How could they possibly know she shouldn't have taken it? She felt their eyes on her, boring into her. She glanced behind her, and she stood. Can we stop? I need to get off. 
Miss, are you sure? It's late. I'm right across the block. Thank you. Hannah crossed the dark courtyard of the local college, shivering slightly. She stopped for a second and admired the way the light shone from the windows onto the darkness of the ground. The fluorescent glow created a row of perfect rectangles that stretched the length of the building. She turned to look at the quiet street where the bus had once been, and her sense of danger faded. This was a timeless, still moment where nothing mattered. She was all alone in this quaint, mundane beauty. She continued in the direction of home. Hannah paused once again, this time interrupted by the presence of a boy. He was standing in the middle of the yard, alone, staring off into the distance. Suddenly, his head snapped toward her, and the two locked eyes. This episode stars Sarah Terrace as Hannah, Brennan Cherokee as the narrator, and Bradley Watson as the coffee attendant. This episode was written, directed, and assistant edited by Brennan Cherokee, with senior editing, sound design, and music by Antares. If you enjoyed our show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your preferred podcasting app. If you would like to support those who volunteer their time to make the show possible and help offset the cost of production, you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash atdldpod. Donating to our Patreon also gives you access to later episodes, talking heads from our actors, live Q&As, and much more. You can follow us on Instagram at allthedreadlongdaypod and like our Facebook page, All the Dreadlong Day Podcast. If you have a ghastly experience you would like to share, you can email us at allthedreadlongday at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of All the Dreadlong Days, The Legend of the Robokishi. Thank you.